So Ryan, I know I've heard you talk about this before, about trusting the EFT process, trusting the map. I've seen George live it. I mean, that's what makes his work different is he truly trusts the process in the room. And so I was asking our friend and mentor, uh, our friend and colleague, Alana Katz out of New York. Alana, when did EFT really click for you? When did you see the change? And I was expecting some technical answer. And she really leans into me and says, James, how much do you trust the process? And that's what we're going to talk about here today is how much do you truly trust attachment in the room and trust the EFT process? It's that dirty little secret question. <laughs> Welcome to the Leading Edge in Emotionally Focused Therapy with your hosts, Dr. James Hawkins and Dr. Ryan Reyna. EFT is a dynamic model that humbles even the most seasoned therapists. Together, we want to come alongside you as you continually push the leading edge of your understanding and application of this wonderful model developed by Dr. Sue Johnson. All right, so here we are again. And today we're going to be talking about trusting the process, trusting attachment in the room. And so why this one really came alive for me, and I want to, Jaron and I are going to talk about it, though, is, you know, there are points in EFT when you can really feel like, uh-oh, I can see the discomfort in my clients. I can feel the distress rising in the room. And then there's a part of me, if I'm just really being vulnerable with you all as listeners, I'm glad to be on this podcast, but I don't have it all together. And there's a part of me that I've been so inclined to like want to kind of like not let the stress get too big to, to kind of want to protect my clients. But then by when I take that emotion out of the room, then all of a sudden it's like, Hey, why aren't we moving forward? Why aren't things changing? And it's like, James, you've got to really trust the process. That emotion is a necessary part of the change. And as you're going into that enactment and you feel things getting unsettled, that's okay. Do the enactment. Don't stop it. That is our key theory of change in the EFT process. You just got to trust the process and trust attachment to do its work, James. So, Ryan, I just want to kind of invite you in. Like, here you are. You're a trainer. Again, you've talked about that. You've got to truly trust the process. What does that mean to trust the process, Ryan? All right. Thank you, James. So, you don't have it all together. No, I don't. I, I do. I have it all together. I just uh, I just forgot where I put it. That's I the problem. I'm putting you on the spot to be the expert here. I'm <laughs> uh, sorry, Ryan. That's a dad joke. Yeah, it's a good question. It's a hard question. Um, and I kind of have five answers. Let's organize it today. Okay. That feels good to me. I like that. You know, I want to make a uh, one point is about exiting in no certain order here. Um, number two is trusting that it's there, right? Number three is you got to slow down. That's a hard one. Number four is can you discern the difference between a block and something new? And then the fifth one is trusting that you're going to handle whatever comes up. That's a big one. So the ability to trust the process and stay on the map to me, if you're just watching a video, it's kind of how you can tell what level of therapist you're watching. So it, it kind of drives me crazy when I see people say or do things like, oh, EFT works with that. Does EFT work with that or this? I'm like, well, which person is doing the EFT? You know, it's like, what level are we talking about here? You know, and let me just start with my own vulnerability. I did this really poorly for a long time and some days still do it poorly. Hopefully not as many, but I started off with EFT in grad school. I hated EFT. It didn't make any sense to me. I couldn't connect with some of Sue's early videos and writing for whatever reason. And then I was a professor for years teaching EFT, which is really embarrassing. I did not know what I was talking about. 
And between you and me, I'm not the only one <laughs> in grad school doing that. But we were, I was teaching the survey way, which is probably should be illegal. But anyway, got to start somewhere. But I remember when I first, even when I first got really good training, my first or second externship, I'm just kind of getting out of course skills and just know enough to be dangerous, honestly. I would go into session and I was doing fine. I'm going for vulnerability, you know, or whatever these neat little thoughts are. And I was, I would trust the process right up until a point I got blocked. Okay. I would instantly become disappointed with my couple, not me. <laughs> okay. Like, oh, they didn't do it right. And I would kind of panic on the inside and then I would exit. And I think that's sort of a recipe of what can go wrong. And that's happened to all of us. So if that's happened to you, welcome to the party. Come join the team. But don't, don't leave the team either just because that's happened to you. That's a normal process. And we're really hard on ourselves, James, something we were saying earlier. I've said on previous podcasts, I had knee surgery uh, last fall. It was relatively minor. Although when you're my size, I don't know if anything's minor anyway. You know, but, and I didn't have an ACL tear, but let's pretend I did. ACL being a really serious knee injury, right? So let's say I'm a surgeon and I have a certain map or, or plan or, or training that is designed for ACL tears. Mm -hmm. And then I get into surgery, I open your knee up, I see your ligament is torn and I panic. And I go, the knee's messed up. And so I close you back up and like go run somewhere else and, and throw a book at you. Sometimes that's what we do in EFT actually. The vast majority of relationship issues and individual problems, the EFT map is so ideal. It's based on science, it's based on neurology. It, it is a, in a great order in terms of helping someone reorganize what's wrong and slowly taking new risk to have the series of corrective experiences to have second order change. So it fits a lot of different things. The question is, as the, as the surgeon, so to speak, as the therapist, can we trust that our process is adequate or are we going to exit? I like that. And it especially makes me think when we think about Shaver's work and his uh, adult attachment, where he talks about that, uh, the attachment system. And part of it, we, particularly when we talk about in EFT, we talk about pursue and withdrawal. It is their ways of trying to deal with distress. So then in a way, what I'm hearing you say what hit me is, so if I really believe that attachment science is accurate now and that these findings are true, there's a part where I should trust that, yeah, I'm going to find distress. This distress being here actually makes sense. This has been your, your, your attachment system's way to try and mitigate or deal with that stress. Okay. So really trusting like, yeah, attachment tells me that people are in distressed relationships are going to have reactivity. There's going to be pain. There's going to be injuries there. Yeah. And, and knee surgeons don't get in there and are surprised. So why are we surprised? It's such a funny thing in human behavior. So our hope kind of works against us sometimes. So when I as an EFT therapist or a clinician, I'm in the room and their reactivity comes up, their blocks come up and just it comes out in an ouch. Oh, OK, this is supposed to be here. Yeah, and I want to I want to back you up 20 minutes. If you're like me, I go to the bathroom before every session, maybe TMI there, but I do. And I'm like, what, what's your inner dialogue coming out of the bathroom? And if, if the answer is, if the answer isn't, I'm about to get blocked. I'm about to go have 50 minutes or 70 minutes or whatever your sessions are, and I'm gonna get blocked 10 or 12 times. You're not gonna be ready for it. That surgeon cuts my knee open looking for the tear. 
And when he finds it, that's a good thing, not a bad thing. And we have to put that into our bodies. To me, that's one of the main themes of this pod, of this podcast, as well as our work on successandvulnerability.com, a more advanced applied way to, uh, to look at these ideas. We'd love to have you join us there. Yeah. So let's start jumping in these five points if we could. Okay. Just a really practical one starting off here is we have to discern when something goes off track or when something comes in you don't expect. We have to discern, is that a block or is that something new that is needed? And if you miss that, you've just not trusted the process and chaos is gonna come quickly and you and or your clients are gonna be very frustrated. It may take you down to um, you know, diagnosing someone in a way that's not helpful or you may become sort of preoccupied with their individual pathology or you're like, give me a resource for this, whatever it is. Most of the time when that happens, when someone calls me, they're like, ooh, this, 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 and this content, what do you do with that? And I've learned when at all possible to say, let me see the video. And I don't mean to be mean or, or anything negative with that, but oftentimes the, the story that the therapist tells themselves is different than what the tape shows. So sometimes there's contraindicators. There are significant factors that really take away safety. And therefore, you have to slow the process down. You may offer resources in the community or something. Most of the time, though, that's not necessary. Okay. Most of the time, you just got blocked. Okay. And you got to recognize that and play accordingly. Okay. I like that because even trusting the process says, once again, if I truly trust attachment and the attachment science, a block is just telling me it's mistrust in action. And trusting the process means that that mistrust, it should be there until there's enough reps of safety, of response, or definitely for us as clinicians, that, 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 that there's safety in the room or the client begins to share that vulnerability with us or that they can kind of turn and share with their, 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 their client, their, their, their partner. Sure. You know, and watch your videos because yeah. a big clue on this first point, which is discern, is this a block? Or is this new thing that just came in the room really necessary? Okay. Okay, that's that question. Okay. Pay attention to when it happens. If I'm working through temp with you, if I'm working through temp with you and I start to feel something, I can feel pain in the room. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to notice there's a tear in your eye or your eyes move back and forth, which shows you're becoming uncomfortable with this vulnerability, which means you're doing your job as a therapist. I've got to go to uncomfortable. And right at that point, you move away from that tier and you go tell me about Nicola's drinking problem, mm -hmm. okay? okay? If I start to think, oh, this is a contraindicator, I've just exited the system. Okay. And I need to pay attention to when it happened. Okay. So if it's happening right as it becomes more risky, there's a really good chance that's not new information, that's just a block. Okay. Okay. What's our CPR with blocks, James? Well, you gotta catch when the block happens. Yep. That goes back to you have to recognize when That's it what we're saying. And blocks are, are, are a part. I trust that blocks are a part of your attachment system doing what it was designed to do to keep you safe in the world. So I catch it and I give it permission. Man, thank you so much. Of course you went, you want to go and talk about this drinking problem right now. Right as we start talking about the worst sadness that you've ever felt and the greatest pain, it's probably a little bit easier to go and talk about the drinking problem than to talk about the sadness. Am I getting that right? Man, I appreciate how smart you are, how you learn to navigate the world. But can I return right back to that place? where we're talking about the deepest, darkest sadness that you ever felt. It's almost like a despair. Am I getting that right? Exactly. 
And so now, so now you just trusted the map. You just gave us a perfect example. Okay. okay, that was just a block. So I love what you just did, but you can't do any of that unless you catch it. So if you think, oh my gosh, this is new information, next thing you know, you're gonna be providing a resource. Some great book that Gottman or someone smart, and I think Gottman's great, by the way, I'm handing you a Gottman book. The problem is they can't install the resource anyway because there's no safety right in front of you. So new information is likely to make it worse when the, so in that situation. So let me make sure I get that clear, Ryan, because that just clicked for me. And even like, like I feel it brought tears to my eyes from my, my fellow colleagues. And what I mean by that is, and they're, they, we're saying we're doing this podcast because we really believe all of you are trying to really do the best you possibly mm -hmm. can. And our clients have just had so many reps around not being safe that, of course, sometimes they're going to try and throw us out into these other things. And I've seen so many therapists that get burnt out because they want to help their clients, but their client's attachment system and those blocks keep throwing them out and they can feel the miss and they begin to get disappointed themselves. Absolutely. So in other words, when they do that, I have to trust that even though this client did that, me going back to the thing they're avoiding is actually the thing that's best for them. Yes. Not letting their block win is actually what's best. Absolutely. For them. That missing sadness is why the cycle is so strong. Okay, so let's go back to the surgeon thing. And I just want to appreciate your heart. He literally has tears in his eyes. Oh, he's, he's an awesome guy. It matters to him, which is why we're here. And it matters to you, which is why you're here. So it's good to be with you. So if the surgeon gets into that knee and he does, he or she, does see something that won't let the surgery be successful, that's a bad feeling, right? So I want to be fair to us because blocks initially feel like it's not going to let the process work. So it does make sense how bad they feel. Right. It does make sense that my body still, after all these years, still upregulates mm -hmm. as if I'm under threat. When a client blocks me, that is normal. But let's go back to what you just did because you modeled it beautifully for us. That's that acronym, but you may or may not remember, CPR. So when a block happens, you have to catch it. You have to give it permission quickly though, and then reset it. Reset where you were. So to notice that it's a block, if someone brings new information right as we're going towards vulnerability, it's not new information. It's a block. There's exceptions to that. If we're 10 minutes in session one, okay. But if we're in session nine, and we've already done our assessment and I'm coming towards your tier and here comes something new, you just blocked me. So I wanna give just a little bit of language for the reset, okay? Because that's pretty painful. Mm -hmm because I need to have a little bit of explanation for why I'm not gonna let your block work. Because <laughs> I just interrupted you and that doesn't feel great. If my attunement is good, if my alliance is good, people can tolerate it, especially if we're getting better, which is key. So I've gotta notice that you blocked me. I, I, some language you might use is to say, I so appreciate what you just did. As we got to this painful place, I appreciate that you're trying to point out something that happens. Because if we can't figure that out, this can't get better. I love that you have that instinct. But right now, I'm going to come back. Notice I didn't ask if I could come back. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take control of this session because I don't want to let the cycle win. I'm going to come back because I don't want to let happen to you what the cycle does to you. When your heart comes forward, nobody catches it. I'm not going to let that happen anymore. There was something really important happening for you. That tear in your eye was telling me something really important. I just want to make sure I get it. Can you stay with me for three minutes? Mm -hmm. The tear was just saying, what, right now? 
So in a 90-second turn, we either went deeper and better and trusting the process, or we let what seemed like new information, which just happened to come in right as we were going deeper, now it threw us into chaos. The cycle takes over again. We're all kind of throwing our hands up. I'm looking for some new book. Mm -hmm. They're looking for some tools and techniques. When the tools and techniques were right in front of me, we have to get him, in this case, to stay with the sadness just for a minute or two to organize this. And then we got to get the partner to calibrate and respond to it because that's what cha how change happens. And what I like that you're saying, Ryan, so going back to trusting, what you're saying there is Ryan Raina sitting as a therapist in that moment is very well aware and attuned to what negative reactive cycles that don't allow for vulnerability and response to vulnerability. You know the damage that that causes to people in the distress that keeps them stuck in. So you're holding that. That's why you're like, I know how painful that is and how much it'll keep you from what you're really needing. But you also trust what happens when the attachment system achieves its goal. And so you're trying to also trust your attachment system is trying to take you towards a goal, but it just doesn't know if it can because it wants to send a signal that something really bad is happening and we can handle it better if we're together. And so you're working with the positive system because you feel, because you really believe that if I can get that positive cycle to work here, a rep, some reps of sharing the sadness, response to the sadness, that's what actually changes things for my client. Yeah, that's me being clear on what the theory of change is. So let's stay with that for a moment. Because above the line, if, you're, if you have sadness here and a tear in your eye, mm -hmm. and you go above the line in your protection, which I will do if I have to, yeah, that's right. um, but above the line, there are a hundred different solutions, maybe a thousand, mm -hmm. and none of them will work. Yeah, that's right. Your, your partner can't be sober enough or sexual enough or spending enough mm -hmm. to not have you feel sadness. That's right. Uh -huh. it, it won't work. At the same time, your partner can be doing all kinds of things that are whatever, less than ideal. But if they can show up for you and comfort your sadness and be with you there and not leave you alone in pain, relationships will stun you how resilient they are. And that's what attachment theory and the, our attachment brain showed us. So one of the differences here between, I'm gonna say this phrase and I don't mean it in a mean way, but an EFT hack and an EFT pro. And by the way, we've all been hacked, sometimes we still are, okay? By hack, what I just mean is not so clear, is a phrase that you'll hear a lot among the best in the world. And they'll just say, you know, generally speaking, I'm working with her, or him or whomever, they, them as a withdrawer. And I'm gonna jump in there. I'm gonna try to get, I'm gonna try to sync up with them. And then I'm just gonna handle whatever comes up. I used to laugh at that phrase because I'd roll my eyes and go, well, if I was good enough to handle whatever comes up, I wouldn't be this training, right? But it is a really key point. So let me just try to make this as simple as possible. When I come towards you, one of three things are gonna happen. <laughs> And again, I, I may be oversimplifying this. When I come towards you, you're either going to work towards something that creates more connection and healing. You're going to block me. One of those two things is going to happen like 98% of the time. Okay, the third option is on occasion, and again, this has happened, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 uh, times in my whole career out of 21 years. Um, you get someone to really be unblocked and open and they slow down and they're vulnerable and they say, this makes sense. 
I now see where my partner was coming from, but I no longer want this relationship. Okay, so they're just showing you complete detachment. Mm -hmm. A lot of times your clients will convince you that they're in a detachment process when really what they're doing is just blocking. So if I say, I'm sick of this, I'm done. My words say that I'm done, but my body language still shows that I have lots of reactivity. So that's really probably a block. So one of those three things is gonna happen. I'm gonna come towards you and you're gonna move towards healing and relationship or you're gonna block me or occasionally there'll be um, an unblocked detachment. Mm -hmm. So EFT is built for any of those three. And you might already have this lined up. I just want to check back in with our process. See me being focused? Focus mm-hmm. is the most important That's part good. of UFT. That's the hardest part, too. The hardest part. So, we, you, so you were just talking about, can you discern between a block and something that's new? But then also one of the points you talked about with trusting the process is trusting to trusting whatever uh, trusting uh, whatever comes up. And that's, I like that phrase. I don't know if I got that. Did I get that right? Is that one of your five points? Yeah. Oh, what, we're going to handle whatever comes up. Yeah. Yep. And that's, I like that because that phrase just right there, that's that mantra you're talking about in the bathroom. I'm going to go into session. They could get reactive. They could block me, but, I, I, but I'm going to jump in there. I'm going to handle whatever comes up. Wow. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that this third point, just moving us forward here is, just the ability to not exit when you're blocked. I mean, really that's kind of the bottom line of this, of this whole thing is to not exit when you're blocked. The more you can expect it, the more you can see that blocks are actually telling you that you're on track. Blocks are telling you that I'm a little, I'm a little feeling unsteady and um, that you're actually on track towards my vulnerability. Otherwise I wouldn't be blocking. The more you can convince yourself of that before you walk in the room, the better chance you have. If you're not, if you let a block surprise you, what's gonna happen is your own system is gonna come forward. Your fight or flight's gonna engage and a a large percentage of us, all of us at times may exit. Mm -hmm. I wanna even say good things about an exit. Exits make sense. That's us moving away from danger. Who wants to fail? Who wants to show up for work and make however much an hour you charge and not be any good? So your body's actually protecting yourself by exiting the process, which is not abnormal. Good news is really good therapists still exit. Exits are only awful when you don't know you've done it. So if you know you've exited, take a deep breath, literally call time out in the session and just say, hang on, I missed something really important. I'm gonna go back to, and just go to the last emotional handle, or go back to the last little summary of the cycle, and you're right back in the vein, so to speak. But exiting the process, when it becomes discomfort, uncomfortable, when there's tension, when the blocks fly, is sort of what we're trying to work against here. Um, You know, what I wanna say about that is, you're working with eagles here, okay? We live in mean metaphors, I can't help it. At least it's animals today and not another football story. We live in Northwest Arkansas. We, um, there's a lake over here called Beaver Lake. And uh, the place where we used to go out on a boat, it has an, a, a big nest of bald eagles. And they're amazing when you see them, they're huge. They're like the size of, I don't know, a small car or something. They're enormous birds. And so if you, if you can imagine that we are a, uh, what do you call someone who works on birds? A veterinarian, I guess. Mm-hmm. And and you know they've, they've the the eagle has an injured wing, and we go towards them and we see the injury. The question is, do you believe the eagle can fly or not? Because if you start to think, oh, this eagle can't fly, 
then your work will actually create more of that. Mm-hmm. Right? So this is what it means to believe in attachment, actually. Mm-hmm. This is part of why you can just trust whatever comes up. It also helps you if you have your words, if you have your fluency, if you know how to work with blocks and keep focus, all the things we talk about. But even more important than all those wonderful moves and interventions, you have to believe that you're working with an eagle. Because guess what? Eagles can fly. An older injured eagle may not fly as well as a younger eagle. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But eagles can fly. And so you have to go in assuming attachment is there and believing in it before you get there. Otherwise, the blocks will convince you this bird can't fly. And then your work will actually move towards, inadvertently, move towards having the bird not fly, which is us exiting, not trusting the process. So if I see a tear in your eye, I have to believe instantly that is legitimate, that pain makes sense. He or she or they want to go there, want to be seen, and want the comfort. And then everything that you do that proves otherwise, I can then see as a block. Because I don't expect you to be able to do it. If you could do it, you wouldn't be in my office. But you see the order of that. I have to believe it's there. He wants it. If, if, if it can happen, or when it happens, it's what he's looking for. Then I can work with your blocks. If I don't believe it's there, then I'll be convinced by your blocks. So there's a big difference between letting blocks convince you and then working with them. I like that 100%. So we don't exit because it's like we keep moving towards vulnerability when we get blocked because the block is actually showing us that, once again, that there's something happened here. Or the block or something could come up and we could find out that we're misattuned. And that's okay. Like even you said, we might exit. We might be off track here. But it's just saying like, hey, there's something that came up. And and either one of these tells us like, hey, we're off the track of where we need to be and it helps us get back on there. We're yeah. not even off track. I'm sorry. Blocks tell us really we're on track. Sorry. Yeah. Clean that part up. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I think about a session I had last week that jumps to mind. And uh, I think I think I handled it pretty well. I would say five years ago, I would have absolutely not. And it's working with this uh, person, great client. And we're having a good session. And we're really, really getting into his strategies, validate, validate, which, you know, once you capture someone's protection, the protection becomes not needed as much. So he drops a third time. This person drops and it's getting pretty vulnerable. I'm feeling it on the inside. So what should, what should you be ready for? If you start to feel it on the inside, a block's coming and he does, he pivots and it wasn't an angry block. It was just a big distraction move, the most common distraction move in the world. He didn't know he was doing it, by the way. I say a move. It's just what the body does. It pointed out the way his partner protects herself. Right? And, it's, and, I, and so in, in earlier years, I would have like gone with that or tracked that as the cycle. And thankfully, I just was able to see what just happened and use what we're calling CPR, which is to go, hang on a minute, hang on, time out, time out. And he laughs and like, like literally makes this noise because he so wants to go do the block because blocks are like water to a thirsty person. Like he needs that block to get out of pain. What I'm trying to offer is my safety so that he doesn't need the block to, to be safe. So I'm just, so CPR, so I just noticed what happened. Everything sped up right there. Notice your body. This makes, then I validate, validate, validate. That's what's hard to do because it seems like the block is going against me. 
But if I can honor the attachment function of that block, I will change it. You're so right. When partner does this, it makes it really, really hard. When this and this happens, here's how it lands. This makes sense to me, but I just want to stay here. I want to notice what just happened with you right there. And he takes a big exhale. And now we're on the process. So are we kind of talking in that part where we're about trusting that it's there? Or are we going to get to that one? I like that that one kind of fits to me that it's there. Like one, when you were saying trusting that it's there, trusting that the body is showing me what I need to know about how safety that person feels. Or like when you said the tear, that the body is being activated by something that's happening in the relationship in the room right now. And trusting that, yep, it's right there, it's alive, yep. and the body's telling me what it needs to, or the body's doing what it's supposed to do for them to help them get safety or get a response. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think what I was going with that, I think there's a lot of things you could say is, I have to believe he's an eagle before I get there. Okay. So let's just put two animals out. No offense if you're a major squirrel advocate, but squirrels are nice animals, but they don't fly. <laughs> Eagles really fly, okay? So mammals connect. Mammals connect. So I have to believe he's an eagle, not a squirrel. Mm -hmm. Or I have to believe he's a mammal, not a reptile. Mm. So I have to believe that before I get there. Because then when I see him panic and speed up and sort of do a blame move of his partner's protection, if I don't, if I'm not consolidated that he's an eagle, that he can connect and wants to deep down, then I'm going to let the block convince me he can't or doesn't want to. Then I'm going to start to believe it. Everything's a contraindicator. Every content is a deal breaker. You see, that's really the that's really the opposite of trusting the process. Really believing that the person wants safety and they want connection. Absolutely. Okay. Every All time right. we see detachment, which sounds like this, Nicole is the most important person in the world to you. New new trainees, you're like, whoa, that's a big assumption. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's a true assumption too. That's because that's why you're that's my why, client. That's why I shook my head because <laughs> it's a true one. Absolutely. When they're saying it's big, like you don't know if that's real. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Right, because they wouldn't be here. But also when you were saying trusting that it's there, I think about someone in Michelancer's and Shaver's work, the hypoactivated person, where they, they turn down emotion. It's even with them, trust. Even though they keep saying they don't know or they, they don't, it's there. Attachment is still alive even in that hypoactivated person. Or even in the burnt-out pursuer who's saying, like, I'm done, it's over. In some way, there's still an attachment system that's alive there. Absolutely. I want to just go back to that session one more time. It's funny. I, I'm putting myself back in my own shoes there. And in, in our office, uh, James, I was one, the one I'm talking about, our second office. And mm -hmm. we back up to this like small lake and around it is a walking trail. Okay. It's like, I don't know, a quarter mile or something, a mm -hmm. little more. And, you know, it's, it's pretty smooth and pretty, pretty flat. It's made to walk on. But there's one curve that's real sort of steep. And it was kind of snowy that day. And so nothing happened, but I was just sort of, when I was walking on it earlier or after that session, whatever, and I remember going, better be careful right here. Better like change my gait up so that I don't fall over here on this, on this curve. And that's what a lot of blocks will feel like. That's what that block felt like in that moment. I got to a place where he was hurt and he wanted to speed up. Like it was the fastest three minutes of the session. You could just say like, I'm gonna change the subject, get out of here. Right. So trusting the process is don't miss that moment. Oh, gosh. That takes me to your other point, too, because this is where I hear Sue's voice coming up. You've got to slow. You got to slow down. down, especially then. You've got to slow it down because she says vulnerability in those attachment, like that emotion it comes up when you can slow yep. them 
to have. Yes. And people say a lot, you don't, don't use as many words. Like, you know, you got to be you. You can be a wordy EFT or thank God, because I am one. Or you can be a very introverted EFT. There are many styles, but it doesn't matter what your style is. When your client speeds up and runs through a block, you have to find a way to hit the emergency brake. You have to say, hang on, hang on, hang on. They will sometimes be like, no, I can't. And like throw two sentences in there and I'll nod my head like, now we're going to come back. Mm-hmm. Like you can't miss that three minute window, that leading edge. Mm-hmm. That's where we were. And his intensity was telling me, this is where I need you. Oh, but it takes so long to recognize this is opportunity. This is not resistance. This is where they need me. And that's what it means to trust the process. And so I want to go with this one, too. This is like me going from the perspective of a new eft year. And this is one of your personal stories. Sometimes you put me on the spot, so here I'm putting you on the spot, Ryan. All right. But also trusting, like, how does your attachment system work? And how do you show up to connect with other human beings? Learning to trust attachment even in your own body. And so where this comes up for you, Ryan, my, you remember telling me, like, one time you wanted to try and be like one of our mentors, and she's truly an EFT great. You want to try and be Gail Palmer in a session, <laughs> right? And I love the, uh, I think, was it Jim Furrow that was there that day with you? Maybe I can't remember who it was. Yeah. And he came out and he says, Ryan, what was that? What were you doing? What were you trying to do? What were you trying to do? <laughs> That's not an encouraging and what, comment. And what did Jim tell you? I love the advice he gave to you. Yeah, I said, I'm trying to use less words. I really don't like my style, which is still true. I, now I just accept it, but I still don't like it. But anyway. Yeah, I'm like, I'm trying to use less words. I just worked with Gail two months ago. I really love how she can just sit and think and like spit out this gold nugget nine minutes later. I'm just trying to use less words. And Jim says, don't ever do that again. <laughs> he was kind of joking, but he really wasn't. And, and, uh, then, and then he says, Ryan, notice how you are out at the snack table. This is back when we lived as humans and we're around each other. Notice how you are at the snack table. Notice how you are with the local community. You use a lot of words. You joke around. You have a lot of energy. I got to see that guy in session or you're not going to be able to tune with people. You've got to connect with people the way you connect with people. And that's what I loved out of that is, Ryan, trust how you are designed or the world has taught you how to connect with people and do that with your clients. And I want to offer that to EFT therapists. Sometimes I think EFT therapists, they try and be like the trainers they've seen mm-hmm. or the videos they've seen. Yep. And it's like, no, there's a way that you learn how to connect with people. That's right. Trust attachment alive in your body too. Except Uh-oh. when vulnerability comes yeah. forward, now we throw all the styles out the window. That's right. Now we have to hold and contain the space right. to heighten, bring the experience forward, let it affect you, let it become really, really clear, and let's go for enactments. So y'all, thank you so much, Ryan. I just really wanted to build this out. What does it truly mean to attach the EFT process? And so even when we're on track, we're not going to exit. When those blocks come up, we trust that we've got to stay on that track of vulnerability with that deep pain and those sadness and those injuries, because that we really believe that that staying on that track is what gets them to change. We've got to trust that that attachment, that it's there in them and that it shows up in the body. Trust those tears and even trust that energy that is telling us that we're, that we're, that it's there, right? Uh, and that you got to be able to slow down and let it come up. That when you get into that place, what Ryan just said, you got to trust that it's there and stay there. And then can you discern between blocks and when it's something when it's something new that is needed? Right. Just being able to really trust. Right. And, and discern that. And then also trusting to ha- uh, just trusting like the EFT pro statement. I'm going to jump in there and there might be some blocks. There might be reactivity. 
but I can handle whatever comes up. And thank you so much, Ryan. I, we hope that this in some ways is helpful that you, as you listen to this, I would say practically go learn how you show up with people. And what do you notice happen in your body when these blocks come up in session? So you can learn to read the signals in your body. Cause that's your attachment system trying to tell you something too. So you can trust the process. EFT is both cognitive learning of the, of the map, but it is also experiential to learn what happens in, in your own body when you're in the room with your clients. You have anything, Ryan, before we close out, you're good. All good. Watch your videos. All right. Thank you all so much. Thank you for listening. We hope this experience helps you push the leading edge in your work to help people connect with themselves and with each other. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review. You can contact us at pushtheleadingedge at gmail.com. And you can follow us on our Facebook page at Push the Leading Edge. You can follow Ryan on Facebook at Ryan Rayner Professional Training and on his website, RyanRaynerTraining.com. You can follow James on Facebook and Instagram at DocHawkLPC. You can also check out his website, DocHawkLPC.com. Thank you.